warning, this episode contains explicit content. Please proceed with caution. What's up, everyone, and welcome to Whiskey Sex Talk. I am your host, Romeo. She is a licensed sex and gender psychotherapist, bestseller author, researcher, Emirati professor, and media personality whose expertise spans sex therapy, spiritual intimacy, parenting, medicine, and social justice. Her latest book, Shameless Parenting, Everything You Need to Raise Shame-Free, Confident Kids and Heal Your Shame Too was a new release bestseller in eight categories. She speaks throughout the world on how to heal and how to raise shame-free, relationally confident children. All right, ladies and gentlemen, in the studio today is Dr. Tina Sellers. Dr. Tina, Dr. Sellers, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so thrilled to be here with you. Well, thank you for coming on the show. I'm glad I finally got you on the show because it's been kind of a rough uh, trying to get you in here and, uh, and you know, to do this, this yeah. episode. So, um, Dr. Sellers, I just want to, before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got here? Sure. So I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, a certified sex therapist, and a certified sex therapy supervisor. I spent about 30 years teaching marriage and family therapy students at a university here in Seattle, Washington. And I also specialized in medical family therapy, which looks at the impact of illnesses on people's lives. So I did a lot of work with physicians and was on the faculty in family medicine here for a while too. Um, While I was teaching, I taught the human sexuality course, which is a required course for licensure. And, um, And I noticed that there was a shift in how people were feeling about themselves as sexual beings or as people who had grown up with, you know, desires for connection and pleasure. And I found that out because I, I um, asked my students to, to write about what it was to grow up in their own particular family. And that really took me in the direction of studying clinical sexology and um, sexual medicine and trying to understand the impact of sexual shame on people's lives, on their happiness, on their Mm. ability to attach and love well, give love well and receive love well. And that really has become the last probably 20 years of my career now. Wow. So it's been quite a journey, but you know, I feel like it's been fulfilling and um, I'm glad you're talking, you, you, you brought up the shame. You know, uh, I started this podcast and uh, not knowing what I was getting into. I really did know what I was getting to, but not knowing what I was uh, about to discover or what I'm discovering. And I yeah. feel like there is a recurring theme when it comes to sexual wellness, sexual uh, intimacy, all this stuff. The root of a lot of our issues comes from shame. Mm-hmm. And whether you're gay, whether you're straight, whether you're a woman, you're a man, um, it really, we've all gone through some form of shame. Women experience shame because they're told they're not supposed to enjoy pleasure. Everything's for the man. Women are conditioned to 
um, for example, to just be giving and just not expect any, you know, just to just to give, 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 give and, and worry about them, uh, herself at the end. Men have this shame of uh, performance, uh, expectations, um, people in the LGBTQIA community, um, you know, coming out um, and going through those sexual experiences, the fact that they're not normalized. We go through the shame. And this is what I really have come to understand is that at the base of everyone, we have all have a form of shame. It doesn't matter what it is, but that is a common denominator that I want to say we have. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I, yeah. I would love to talk a little bit about my theories on that. Please um, do. I, I actually, and I'm so grateful for the work of Brene Brown. I think she's helped us understand what shame is mm-hmm. and how it functions in our lives, right? But, but studying sexual shame, what I've come to believe is that if you grow up in a home that is largely silent or silent and shaming around sexual development, body development, feelings, all of that, then your first shame was likely sexual shame. And I've come to that conclusion because when children are around, you know, when they're infants up to 10 months old or so, their hands are actually almost like weapons. You know, they're hitting them in the face and they don't understand them. But around 10 months, they start to coordinate and realize that they can reach for something. Mm -hmm. And somewhere between 10 months and a year, the child's um, hands find their way to their genitals, of either course. when they're getting their diapers changed, right? Or in the in the bathtub. And you see that with children, if, you know, like the boys playing yeah. with, with their penis, girls, you know, you see that if you have kids. I don't have kids, but I know this. Yeah, no, you are absolutely right. And I I see it as a wonderful thing, right? But yeah, I'm, I, I don't, so, if, but if you are somebody who was shamed from your earliest memories, then when your child does this, you tend to, um, uh, get a, you know, yell at them. That's gross. That's dirty. Don't, touch Yuck, don't do that. Right, Slap yeah. their hands. Right. Go ahead. No, yeah, yeah. I was just I, yeah. I, I, reiterating what you were saying. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's exactly what they do. And, and now mind you, we're talking about a pre-verbal year old child, right? They don't stop doing it at that moment. They're going to reach for that and touch that part of their body, whether it's their vulva or their penis, because it is filled with fabulous nerve endings. It's a gift that we were given, I I believe. And and so they're going to keep doing this until they are about five. And then the brain, their cognitive capacities have grown enough that their memories stick a little bit better. And they start to remember, oh yeah, I'm going to get in trouble if I do this. And they start going underground, right? With it. Well, I want people to recognize that this has happened, this shaming interchange, exchange between the adult caregiver who they love and know they need for survival and the child has happened hundreds, if not thousands of times before they clock in their head, oh, whoa, I need to not do this. But it's been making meaning in their viscera, in their Mm. soma, in their body that I'm bad. Something must be wrong with me because I keep getting in trouble for my curiosity, basically, for being me. So I think our sexual shame is our first shame if you grew up in a home like this. And I'm comparing this to people who are like the Northern European countries who grow up with someone that says, oh, yeah, that's your penis. It's a wonderful part of you. Now let's finish diapering you. Or And then as they get a little older, 
oh, we're going to, this is a wonderful part of you. And we go into our room or our bathroom or the bathroom because we want to have our own privacy. And so we teach them about privacy and it's just something they get to learn on top of everything else. But if you're not in a family like that, who knows how to guide a child's curiosity around their body and sexuality, then they're just going to absorb all this pain and shame. That's so, that's so interesting. You say that because I'm thinking about when I was a kid, um, you know, for example, uh, you always teach your kids the name, the correct name of their privates, of their, of -hmm. their, their penis Mm -hmm. or vagina, Mm -hmm. because, Mm -hmm. you know, to avoid, uh, people taking advantage of children, you know, you don't want to give it names because then a kid can be like, someone touch, play with my flower. You know, you don't, you know. I remember right. my mom uh, was very, very upfront, like, you know, that's your penis. And, you know, and um, I even remember the first time I asked, um, where do babies come from? I was mm-hmm. probably in first grade and I was that kid that went yeah, back and told right. everybody, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, but my mom did such a good job. She, uh, first of all, she showed me the best thing was that how she did it was very creative. She actually explained it to me. I mean, obviously, I didn't know what it was, but she explained it from a science, sure. like from a scientific pla- place. Explains, you know, yeah. a man and a woman come together. That you know, a, a woman has an egg, a man has a sperm. And then uh, I watched. Uh, we watched. Look who's talking, because in look uh-huh. who's talking. You get, you know, the beginning of the movie. It's the the sperm swimming up uh, the the, mm-hmm. the canal, and yeah. then um, yeah. it, it was so great, like. And for a while, I was obsessed with like you know, uh, where do ba- kind of like the nine months what you see in in the uh-huh. room. And I would yes. go, remember going to um, in Utah. Yeah, I remember going to um, to the library and going going in the science section or human anatomy or whatever, and finding the bo- a book that w- that explains this. My teacher wouldn't allow me to check it because it was you know I'm 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 like a first grader, and she's like, no, you can't, you know, like you can't. Yeah. But I'm. I I understood that it was normalized yeah. for me, so I knew yeah. that, and yeah. um um and that is what you're saying. Things like this, you need to normalize it for your children. Um, yes, because I mean, it's funny that you talked about shame and how it starts at this age, at when you're from a toddler to a child, up to you know teenage years or adulthood. We see this now. Because I was under the impression as well that shame comes from how we've been conditioned, society telling us, you know, sex is bad, you know, because of religious uh, views on it. But, mm-hmm. you know, in reality, you know, Judeo-Christian is not yeah. really against uh, being uh, sex. You know, they're not against uh, the sex act. They tell you get married and have fun with your spouse, you know. Um yeah, and so, but we interpret it differently. Oh, you know, you have to, you can't have sex out of marriage. You know, all that stuff that comes with it. Now, right. I want to kind of move uh, towards your book um, because I love the fact what you've actually have accomplished here. You've actually done something that I'm glad there's people like you out there doing this. Mm-hmm. So your book is called Shameless Parenting. Everything you need to raise shame-free, confident kids and heal your shame too. Can you tell us a little bit about this book and what, why did you write, why, tell us a little bit about, tell us what what motivated you to write this book? Yeah. um, So 
the first book I read was, or first book I wrote was called Sex, God, and the Conservative Church, Erasing Shame from Sexual Intimacy. And that just described how America became sex negative. Right. What, what that, you know, all of that. And then the role that capitalism plays with that, because it does, it has right. a huge impact. And then how you heal sexual shame and all of that. And then I heard from people all over and they were like, this is so great. It is so helping me see what happened to me. Thank you for writing this. This has, you know, been really liberating for me. But I have children in my life. Either I am a parent or I'm an aunt or an uncle. I have children in my life. I know I don't want to pass down to them what was done to me, but I don't know what to do. Exactly. Can you help me with that? And I said, yeah, I've got you because I've been teaching this stuff to physicians for years and to students. I can easily put together a book that helps you walk through the developmental stages of your child and tells you this is the behavioral tasks they're likely to do in this next two years. And I would go, because the book is divided birth to two, two to four, four to six, six to eight, all the way up to 18. Like this is what your kids emotional tasks typically are at this age range. Here are the behavioral things they tend to do at this age. Here's the body and sensual curiosities that are likely going to emerge in this two-year time frame. And then I ask questions of the caregiver, like, how might that be for you when your child finds their genitals, when your child wants to play doctor, when your child blah, mm. blah, blah, finds the internet, whatever. I mean, I walk all the way through, you know, each, each year. How will that be for you? And if you feel inside yourself, that part of you that's going, ah, ah, you know, that feels anxious, then I just want you to put your hand on your heart and remind yourself that you are good and that that is only a body indicator that you did not get what you needed mm -hmm. at that age. That's all. That's shame. That's what shame does and what it feels like. So now I want you to do some thinking about what would you have needed? How could you have gotten that? What difference might that have made for you if you could have gotten that? So let's imagine that you got what we're inviting you to give your child now. How would that have made a difference for you? And so I'm walking them through how to become more aware of their own shame, heal some of their shame, so then they can give their child what I'm suggesting. And at the end of each, each little itty bitty chapter, it says, here's the top books for kids this age, picture books or whatever. Here's the top books for you. Here's the top websites. So you don't have to figure this out all on your own. I'm giving you the stuff you need. Just try to be two years ahead of your child. That's all. Because you don't have to have it all figured out. You just got to kind of know where they're going and how to accompany them. So you become a non-reactive, loving presence that gives them just the education that they need. So then they go, oh, oh, I understand this is this part of my body. Or, oh, I get how babies are made. And and it's not the talk. That's one of the things we got wrong right, right. all along. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a talk. It's a hundred little one minute conversations that are happening all the time because we're not just teaching them about their body and anatomy and reproduction when the time comes for that. We're teaching them about how you do friendship, how you know what boundaries right. are, how you know what right. body autonomy is, how do you know what kindness is? Why is pleasure important? Why is being treated well important? Mm. Why is treating others well important? Like we are teaching them about the emotional and and um, uh, behavioral kind of interactional intelligence, relational intelligence that you need to thrive by the time you're an adult. 
And we're giving them little pieces of age-appropriate information on wellness, body wellness, and relational wellness every single year so that they grow into the human we want them to be. In, in the Northern Euro- European countries, they call this life education. They don't call it sex education. Because yeah. we're teaching them how to live their lives and be happy relationally. My co-host, if she was here, Maria, uh, you know, she's she's away uh, for the rest of the season for personal reasons, taking care of issues. But we had this conversation. You know, she is from the U.S. and she moved to the Netherlands. The Netherlands, she we talked about this. They have yes. this in place where, yes, there's, I know. you know, so we talked about this yeah. and we were t- in. And uh, so it's good to hear this. I just wanted to comment on I just wanted to make a comment on that. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I and I think that's wonderful when you have somebody in your life like that who grew up in either the Netherlands or or Sweden, Norway, Denmark, Finland, Iceland, you know, any of those countries, they've had comprehensive, medically accurate life education from preschool through 18 since the 40s. And Holland, I I have their their sex education program here in my office. And it's from age four all the way up. And it's brilliant. It's amazing because it's teaching how how do we be human in a way that we can thrive and we help others thrive. And part of the fact that we don't do this in the U.S. is part of why we're having the trouble that we're having because mm. we're not teaching val- values either. Yep. Right. You teach a child to be well. What is what does it mean for you to be treated well? Right. They've got thoughts on that. What does it mean to treat somebody else well? What if you could take advantage of somebody else? Like you were older or you were taller or you were bigger. Is that okay? Right. What if somebody was that way with you? And then you teach them about power. Right. Right. And power abuses. Right. right. And what it means to be just. Right. How right. to live in justice. Right. We don't teach these things because we put them in the box of, sex education, and then people pull their kids out, out of, of school it. for the yes. little bit that they're going to go. Right. Yeah. It's not, and, and, it's, you know, it's it, leaving it, your child vulnerable. Well, it's two things. It, to me, it's like, I see it. I, I see it both ways. I, I have more of a conservative view, but at the same time, I also, I'm realistic because yeah. look, I, I was that kid that went back. Like I told you my story when I learned about the, the you know, the birds and the bees, really how the reproductive system, not the reproductive system, but how where babies yeah. come from. I went back yeah. to first grade and I told everyone. And I yeah. mean, obviously the people had a com- spoke to my mom and, and they're like, you know, <laughs> you know, your son's kind of going around telling people this, but here's the issue is that if you do not want, if you're going to bitch and complain about the school system indoctrinating your children and doing this and doing that, then you have to be the proactive parent to be like, all right, you know what? I am going to do this because I want my child to have certain expectations. I have expectations. I want them to to see this in this light this way. The problem is that what goes back to what you were saying, that the kid, um, you mentioned that the the baby that touches their penis, the kid that touches the boy that touches his penis. And you're like, Oh, and you said, put your hand over your heart and just why people are ashamed and they don't know where to go from this. Your book Mm -hmm. is amazing because it tackles two things that I find the biggest problem because if you don't want your, like the public school systems to, to teach this to your kids, that's fine. 
but make sure you're the right. responsible party. Or if you don't care, then by all means, then leave the child at the at the exposure of whoever's teaching it, and then you know don't blame the other part. You know, don't blame the school system or the teacher later on in life because they provided the education that you didn't. Am I making right? Sense? Well, and the thing is, and oh, absolutely, you're making sense. But but even in that rationale, the blame for what's happening to children is being put on the school. Right. Parents are so ignorant if that's what they think because if they are turning on the tv if the kids have access to the internet if the kids have access to other kids they're the majority of their information about what is true is there and what is not true is coming from the media right through the media directly to them and through their friends directly to them and that is like throwing your child to the wolves bingo it's so true because they are digital natives now, you know, that's right. uh, generation alpha. I think that's what they're called. Gen Z was already the digital natives, but they already have information at their mm-hmm. disposal. So you can't even lie. Kids are no. there. They know they're not. So this is what it is. If you're going to throw, not throw your kids, but you gotta, you gotta really be like being a parent now. I'm not a parent, but I can tell you it's probably tougher than it was back then. Because you're fighting sure. different things. You're not fighting anymore like other parents. You're fighting now the internet. You're fighting like, let's say, you know, the school, people, individuals. Like information is so out is, is out there. And you got to be able to equip your child the right way. It's got to be come from you as a parent. Your responsibility is right. I got to teach this to my child. So when my child is out there, they're not going to get, you know, eaten by the wolves. You know, they're going to be equipped. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. You know, in many ways, there's been a simultaneous thing that's happened simultaneously in the last 40 years, I would say since about 1980, we really see a sort of shift begin to happen. Parents, as the culture started focusing more on capitalism and making money and all of this, mm-hmm. parents started focusing on careers, Right. what you're going to do, mm-hmm. where are you going to go? And the moral education that they were being given before had people stopped looking that direction. Right. Meanwhile, the we stopped have we removed the regulations on the Federal Communication Commission on what could be in media in 1984 or five. So now you can put anything you want to on there. And there's nobody teaching the difference between entertainment and fantasy and reality. Or what happens when this idea, like if you drive like Fast and Furious, you're gonna get killed. Yes, you can enjoy that movie, but they are not the same thing, right? Kids are being exposed to pornography at nine years old. That's the average age that kids are getting exposed. How are they supposed, and if that's their primary sex educator, how are they supposed to have a thriving relationship when very little of that is based on relational mutuality? They're not. And But the thing is, so we have this double thing that happened. Parents stopped parenting. Exactly. Based on what kids actually need to thrive as humans in their life, not make money, thrive as humans, thrive relationally. Simultaneously, we jacked up Consumption um, of- entertainment right. and lies, basically, and nobody's telling the kids what's real and what isn't. You know, it's so, you're, you're really, I, I'm so glad you mentioned this because how do we know we failed? Well, look at every parent right now out there, young parent, not all of them, but a good number of them. Yeah. What does the child sure. have? What does the baby have? An iPad. Mm-hmm. An right, iPad. Right. 
you know, mm-hmm. what do the people do? Oh, be quiet. Here, here's the iPad. You know, right. we're not, we're not being, we're not teaching the right things. We're not really being parents. We're just kind of like right. the babysitter is the TV. And it's funny that you talk about careers because people became career oriented. I come from um, that background where I, you know, I, my grandmother babysat me, you know, my, my parents were away. Um, and who was my babysitter? My grandma was there. She was amazing and everything, but the TV, you know, the TV, yeah, uh, sure. luckily there was a balance, but nonetheless, there is this moral decline and people are pointing fingers yeah. everywhere, but no one's taking responsibility. Like, you know what? We as yeah. a collective group have failed. Let's just be honest. And where do we go from right. here? And from here, exactly. Yeah, and what, absolutely. And what, I, and the one thing too is, you know, um, I, I talked about this in a couple of episodes. Uh, I talked about it before, you know, um, uh, we ha- had a, a, a doctor, um, Davidson, he was on the show and he, he mentioned about, you know, uh, sh- we talked about shame and he mentioned, you know, the lack of proper sex education in the school system and in, 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 in education mm-hmm. K to 12, you know, we don't have that in mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. my sex ed class. It was like the fifth grade, that one class you learned about, you know, you're going to go through puberty. This is what it is. And that was it. Nothing else ever happened after that. And mm-hmm. I needed to get a, a parent sign, you know, signature for that. But there is this thing is that, you know, it goes back to, I, I want to say that it, it hasn't been normalized. These the, the, having mm-hmm. conversations that really, okay, your child, you have, mm-hmm. there, there is a method mm-hmm. and your book walks you through that. Right. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm trying to do is, I know parents feel lost. I know that. And, and I want to be like, it's okay that you feel lost. Let me just hold your hand and just take you a two years at a time through this. Cause you're going to have a much research is going to show that if you can do this, your kid is going to describe themselves as closer to you overall when they're an adolescent. That's what parents want. They right. want their kid to stay connected to them. Right. They want them to be a resource to their kid, but they just don't know how. And that's because no one did it for them and maybe not for their parents either. Right. right? It's interesting. I I'm now a grandmother. I can't believe it. (laughs) Thank you. Of two amazing little girls, a three-year-old and a six-year-old. And I'm watching my oldest be a parent for the first time. Right now I grew up in a home that it was a Swedish immigrant home and my dad was very much an outdoorsman. And so my son from his earliest memories was alongside my dad, learning just like I did how to hunt, how to fish, how to hike, how to appreciate the world, you know, like, and the trees and blah, 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 you know, and now I'm watching him do the same thing. They don't own a TV. Good. My granddaughters are hiking, they're fishing, they're hunting. They're coming home and learning about animals. They're learning about how food gets on the table. They're learning to respect the land and other people. And they have a a toy area, an area that most everything in there facilitates creative thinking. Beautiful. Like a basket of scarves and things that you can build, you know, like not automated things, you know, and they talk about this stuff all the time. And I can remember when my children were little and they would ask their questions. And because I had come from a long line of Swedes who taught about sexuality, when my kids brought it up, I just explained it, right? 
And I remember when they were about five or six, like the age you were with your mom and saying, you know, answering, well, tell me exactly what you want to know. I mean, do you want to know if babies come out of the refrigerator or like, what are you wanting to know? (laughs) You know, and I would find out exactly what they wanted and I'd be like, okay, so, you know, there's this and this, and you know, when they come together, it can begin to grow a baby, not always, but often and yada, yada. I said, I want you to know though, that we are an odd family. In our family, we talk about these things and we answer your questions because we believe children deserve to have honest answers. Right. But some families don't talk about their private parts, their genitals, or they don't talk about how babies are made. And so I want you to just be mindful when you go out that some people might not like for you to talk about this, but I want you to come back and tell me because I think everything about your body is a miracle and I want you to always love it. But you're going to find as you live out in the world that we're different in that way. It's amazing. Because I was the sex educator of my friend, right? And I had to deal with that. That's great because you right there, you're teaching them to respect other people's opinion or view. You're not telling Mm -hmm. them, hey, go, don't, you didn't say, hey, you know what? They're weird. You're like, we're different. And we talk Mm -hmm. about everything. There's other people that don't talk about it. But if they don't, just, you know, you're you're teaching them to respect And that's amazing. And um, I I really, really, I'm glad that there's, I hopefully uh, more people, more doctors like you will uh, come really start to really push for normalization. And I don't want people, our listeners to think that I'm like, oh, the child, children should learn about sex ASAP. No, there is a formula to it. And Dr. Sellers has a book and she talks about what are the things you talk to your child at certain stages in life. You don't want to right. dump, you can't be dump everything that a child doesn't have that capacity to comprehend at that whatever okay. age. But I, I do want to pivot here because um, I do love that you wrote this um, shameless parenting um, because right now what we're seeing now across America, all over the world is um, out culture. Um, yeah. And I, um, I wanted to kind of just say like, and ask you, so we know that there is no adequate advice on self-awareness uh, for people, specifically how do you find yourself? How does the, how does your book incorporate this reality now? Yeah, it's it's trying to educate parents about some of the things that they might not have gotten along the way. This is what, and this is the feedback I'm hearing from people. People will say, gosh, I don't have kids, but I read your book and I started to see what I didn't get. And it helped me understand the world and myself better, right? And so I'm educating the parent along the way. So when a child comes home and says, I have a friend who was born with girl parts, but they say that they are a boy. The parent has been getting exposure to these things, right? The parent in my book between three and in the section between two and four-year-olds, I say, Gender identity can begin to emerge in a child around three, four years old. Don't be surprised if your child is like, I like my dresses. I'm a girl and mommy's a girl too. And we're the best girls in the family because they are beginning to self-identify gender, which is what I feel like on the inside. For most people, it matches the genitals that they were born with. But for a good number of people, it doesn't. Right. And so I want to say to parents, if your child happens to not identify with what they were born with, I want you to celebrate them. I want you to say, oh, 
well, that's interesting. Tell me more. Well, I want to wear, I want to wear dresses all the time. And I'm, people say I'm not supposed to, but I really like them because I think purple is my favorite color. Okay. Just let the child be, be themselves. Child. Exactly. You know, and, and that, let and, them be themselves. And it's not saying, oh, you got to go oh, immediately go hormone therapy. No, no you said something interesting no. that I want to, I just want to, um, kind of just kind of uh, tap in on that because I remember as a kid um, and we've all gone through that where, you know, you're playing with your friends, you're at a party, you know, let's say uh, you're at a girl's party and I'm a boy, I'm just giving you an example. And, you know, girls have dress up clothes. Kids play dress right. up all the time. And there yes. was always that one dad <laughs> that would come in and yell at the one boy because he was wearing a dress they're kids. Right. They have no right. connection to gen toys. Don't have genders. Yes. There's toys for boys and girls. But if you, if you, at if you attack a child from that perspective, then it confuses the child. The child is being a child. Shames them. They're using, it shames them. It shames them. They're using their yes. imagination. You know, in Judaism, right. you don't shame a child. child. You know, this is why when you go to a synagogue, children are being children. And the parenting yeah. skills are not what you consider in, you know, outside of the Jewish, um, uh, let's say, a uh, bubble or, you know, outside of Judaism. Yeah. But kids are kids. And people, I've had friends come over and look, why is that child running around? I'm like, they're just children. Let them alone. That's right. You know, That's let right. them play. Let them be kids. Let them just do what they do. Because yeah. a child, we know in Judaism that uh, a child become a, a, a boy at bar mitzvah, a girl bat mitzvah, that's when they start consciously becoming aware. But until then, they're a child. You cannot shame them. Let them do be what they want to do. The thing, the I think what people make a mistake is, is um, you're not a, you know, I feel like I want to wear dresses. Oh, you cannot wear dresses. You know, just let the child be a child. Don't even pay attention to it because this is the problem. Exactly. Now, and you know, people might think I'm like, oh my God, Romeo, why are you saying this? What I'm saying is, and what I'm agreeing with you, Dr. Sellers, is that yes. you got to let them just be kids. That imagination yes. is there for a reason. It's, it's part of the That's developmental right. process. It is. And we kind of yeah. come in there and try to like, I want to say stammer, but we really try to like hinder that. Squish process. it. Yeah. And, and it's really. We squish um, it. And I'm glad you have. I'm thank you for for actually um, shedding light on that because I think we're seeing that you know parents, you know, you see the media, you see everything, people talking about, oh, they're teaching genderism, whatever, you know, in schools. But you know, we have to remember, yeah, folks have to remember out there that, um, you know, for the LGBTQIA community, like being gay was never or a lesbian was never normalized, and the people there are people out there they're just trying to be like, hey, you know what, you're okay, you're fine, you're just you know, you're, you're, you're normal. But the, the correct thing is even when the child's going through these stages is you can't shame them because then it just messes them up. And it goes back to what you're, what you said earlier in the beginning of the, of, yeah. of, of, of the show. And, yep. uh, I'm so glad you, you wrote this book and, 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 and that you really actually really, uh, are focusing really on, on really teaching, the child teaching parents how to be parents, but at the same time teaching parents how to deal with sh the shame we've all kind of uh, inherited. Exactly. And right. uh, it's very important. Now, D Dr. Sellers, yeah. we're kind of at the end here. I do want to ask you if people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way? Yeah. 
So um, I just want to drop in here a little thing for anybody that's interested in understanding this maybe even more. There's a wonderful documentary called Intersex and Faith. Oh. And in there, they actually talk about how in Jewish texts, there's up to eight different genders recognized. And this is true in many ancient um, societies. Mm-hmm. We don't have not done that well here in the United States. And it actually was Mattel that came up with the pink and the blue in 1950 to sell twice as many toys. And pink was always originally so, a boy color, by the way. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> and so anyway, I, I, I just think that this is a good place for us to be critical in our thinking. And how do we celebrate children's uniqueness so that then they grow up to be the human that they are meant to be with the array of colors that we actually in diversity that we all need to have a rich healthy society, right? As opposed to raising people to just make more money and to look a particular way or be a particular way then we make everybody else invisible. I don't think that helps any of us. So people want to follow me. They can go to my website. It's drtinashermersellers.com. They can follow me on Instagram at drtinashameless. Um, I also have an institute that trains in sexual health and wellness for professionals um, that is the Northwest Institute on Intimacy, and the website is nwioi.com, or Instagram is nwinstitute on intimacy. Also, on my website, on the Tina Shermer Seller website, you can go to the shop. And if you are somebody that works with kids and parents at all, I have handouts that match what's in the book. So if you're sitting with parents of a this and a this year old, you're like, I got handouts I can give you. Or if you're a doctor, you're like doing well child visits. I got a handout for a two-year-old or a four-year-old or whatever. You can use these. You can run them off as many times as you want to. You can make posters of them. I don't care. Just use them to get the word out of helping parents be the parents that they want to be and to raise the kids they want to raise. Yeah, it's time to it's time for parents to step up, young parents to step up the plate and be real parents and and, and really we gotta be accountable for, you know, if you don't want your child, like I said, if you don't want schools teaching your children then you gotta be the parent <laughs> literally yeah, exactly. and really really and if you and, don't want media to train teach your chair right. children you've got to do it you got to equip your children there, I, yeah you do mm-hmm. you got to equip your children and how old is that i mean that's like way back in scripture right yeah. you equip your children yes. because it shapes the world you live in because you know if you don't want if you don't want other people polluting not polluting but putting ideas in your child's mind or convincing them otherwise uh, as to what you believe then you have to be responsible real responsible and on top of educating your child right. on yes. on things that really are going to matter later on in life when they are adults you know you right put and the, the way that you do that is when you're giving them that information ahead of time like you're saying you got to be ahead of it right right ahead of time then when the child gets the bs information whether it's from media or a friend or whatever, they can go inside and go, I don't think that's right. Right. That's, that's not what my mama said, or that's no, not what my, my papa parent, said, or yeah. that's, that's, yeah, that's not what was told to me. Now I can go back and check. So you've yeah. actually, that's what equipping a child really yes. means, that they have something inside. They have a little voice inside that says, I don't think that's right. I think what I was told over here by these people I trust, I think that's what's exactly. right. Exactly. You know, doc, uh, uh, Dr. Sellers, um, one last bit of advice for our listeners b- before we go. <laughs> I would just say, 
child development is critically important. And I think becoming an expert in child development, which includes body and relationship and sexual development, all that is more important to your child growing up and being happy and successful than all of our focus on career and whatever. And I'm not saying you don't do that. I'm just saying make make guiding your child relationally more important, understanding child development, make that critically important to your parenting. All right, Dr. Seldes, thank you so much. All right, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for today. I am your host, Romeo. Till next time. Bye. Thanks so much.